usually have communion on the first Sunday of the month. And I'll go ahead and say this while I have it on my mind. If in United Methodist Church we have open communion, meaning you do not have to be a member of our church to share in communion. Some churches do, but we do not. Certainly, we invite you to come in a moment and partake in communion. If you feel not to, that's, we also respect that as well, but we want you to know you're welcome. So, uh, The title of the sermon this morning is Grape Juice and Nana Bread. Grape Juice and Nana Bread. That's not banana, but Nana. My mom, my two children, they call my mama Nana. And so she made some nana bread, so I'll share more about that. But this morning's sermon is grape juice and nana bread. Will you pray with me just for a moment? God, we love you this morning and praise you. We thank you, God, for your word. And just close us in right now, God, and let us receive from your word, your transforming word by the power of your spirit that touched the human heart. So, God, we open ourselves up to you as deep calls unto deep. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was reading a devotion. I've mentioned this man's name before. The devotion was by Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. He was a professor at Asbury where I went, seminary, and also he was the president of Asbury College. And so while I was there, he was still at the college, and whenever he was in chapel, I would go across the college and hear him preach and part of Francis Asbury Society of Mission and Evangelism Outreach. He was 94 years old. He passed away this past April 2017, and uh, he was a good one. And, uh, but I was reading a devotion. The devotion is not about what I'm preaching about, but there was one verse in the devotion, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept repeating it throughout the day, and thus this is where this sermon came from. In the devotion, Dr. Kinlaw quoted Psalms 119.57, You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. And again, that phrase stuck in my mind, just you are my portion. So throughout that day, and I was going through something, stuff in our lives, just like we all have, and, and uh, I just claimed that. God, you're my portion. And I said it several times, and over the next few days, I just, I knew in my heart what it meant, spirit, you are my portion. I got to thinking, well, what, what does it really mean? So I kind of did a study on the word portion, and so that's where the sermon comes from. In Psalms 119, I added verse 58, after it says, You are my portion, O Lord, I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. So for me, the word portion, and of course, you know, 119 is the longest chapter in the Psalms, and talks about the word of God and the law but here in connection with you are my portion he said I keep your word so so truth and the word of God are connected when I claim God is my portion but I give him my whole heart when I claim that and then I want his mercy you don't want God's justice you don't want God to give you justice you want to pray and God give me mercy so when we claim God you're my portion you're you're bringing in his mercy according to his word now, in Psalm 73, the scripture on the screen there, this was written by one of David's chief musicians by the name of Asaph. He wrote this word in Psalm 73 and verse 25 and 27. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and he is my, 
He is my portion forever. So I want to tell you that part of you and I claiming, and I hope that this one point sermon this morning, and as we celebrate communion, that you'll claim, God, you are my portion. So not only do you declare his word and his truth, not only do you call upon every mercy that can come from him when you call on his, him being your portion, but when you claim that he is your portion, you're claiming he is your forever. Eternal life is blended in with the, the thought of me having God as my portion. Now, Asaph, after he quotes this, and if you go back and you read Psalm 73, in the entire chapter 73, he sees that the wicked are blessed with so many possessions in so many ways, and he declares that life isn't fair, basically. As he looks around, he sees how unfair this world seems to be. Asaph remembers that he's only a pilgrim on this earth. He has an inheritance. So that's part of the understanding of the word portion is we get an inheritance from God that is greater. Asaph realizes that it's greater than any wealth that the wicked may possess because his portion is God himself. God himself when I claim that God is my portion. And in those days that I quoted it and I was praying over the things around my own life, that's what I, God, you are my portion. You are my God. I get mercy, I get truth, I get forever. Now the English word portion, sometimes in our translation, will mean just give me a part. Hey, just give me a portion of that. My wife's mother-in-law, Patsy Galloway, she grew up on the mountain. She was a stylings, and my wife looked up real quickly and made eye contact with me. I'm fixing to talk about her mama. But her family, they have a lot of sayings, and we all do, depending on where we grew up. There's certain phrases that we use in, in her family that some I'd never heard. I think I shared one with y'all is this. And teachers, y'all need to hear this. But my mother-in-law, she used the phrase, I'm a pack of frazzles. Now, you may say my nerves are shot. Now you know what, in fact, psychologists today, that's actually in medical books now. I'm a pack of frazzles. Not really. Y'all are too, y'all lighten up a little bit. It's not in there. But now you know what a pack of frazzles is. Another phrase that she would use when I was dating Lana and my two brother-in-laws, they were dating other two Galloway girls, she would look at those girls and say, get these boys another rasher of uh, corn. Give them a rasher. Jack, you may have heard that when you get a rasher or something. A rasher just means another portion of something. But when it's in the context of the Bible, and I looked up the Hebrew word, this means complete and full. So when you get God as your portion, you get all in all. You get everything of who he is. So when we see the psalmist here, and I'm about to read to you three more scriptures to help you to understand that when you claim God, you are my portion. You are my all in all. The portion that he gives is not a rasher. You get everything in the Godhead that he is through Jesus Christ. Everything. You are my portion. Four times in the psalms and once in lamentations, Likely Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. We do not know for sure, but most scholars believe that he did. But I'll read also a scripture from Lamentations. The first one is Psalm 16:5, another place in the Psalms where the psalmist uses the word portion. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Psalm 142, verse 5. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge. You are my portion 
in the land of the living. And then in Lamentations, I want to quote the first two verses leading into it. Some of you may have this on your refrigerator. My wife has often used this and claimed this on many days. Lamentations 3, 22, 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then he adds, the Lord, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. So again, not only do you call on God's mercies, not only do you claim when you claim him as your portion, he is your forever. He is my all in all. You also claim it and there is eternal hope. There's always hope in him. Claiming God as my portion is a reminder that whatever happens in this world, and the psalmist and Jeremiah who lamented over things, the reminder that whatever happens in this world, we have an inheritance. We have a portion that transcends all trial, all tragedy, and all difficulty. Doesn't mean that it doesn't come. We preached a few weeks ago. Jesus said, in this world, in this life, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Why? He's my portion. Be my all in all. He gives us this, and he claims this, and these scriptures remind us. You know that we live in a world, and the teachers know this as well, as they look at students at Life Hidden Fair. They see students, some of you that are retired know, you've seen that, that life is more difficult for some students and you have no clue what they've been through the day before, even that morning in their own home. It's, our life is increasingly filled with violence. We see it in our lifetime, the last 20, 10 years. Things we would never have thought we would have seen on the news, we now see. And it's easy to become discouraged at looking at the circumstances. When on these days, it's helpful to remember that God is our portion if we have him we don't need anything else I shared in the 3D some of you read it and I think I shared part of this story before there was a couple at Crossville United Methodist Church Lana and I pastored up there right at nine years and this is really probably going back 17 18 years I'm not exactly sure but uh, this couple came to me and they they were gonna adopt and they've been praying about it and felt like God had a led them to adopt a child. Now, they already had a daughter, Danson. She was uh, eight or nine years old, I guess, at the time. But they began to pray, and they came, and I prayed for God's guidance, God's grace, and as they began the adoption process, and one long, they got a call. And uh, they received a phone call that they had an opportunity to adopt what turned out to be a little dark-haired, dark brown eyes, four-year-old boy and he came with a look-alike it was twins they were boys and you know Danson the sister who had not been the only child but now you got two boys dark hair dark brown eyes I want you to see them the visual and they were full of life and excited about everything so the whole church we kind of all took them in and they became our boys Robert and Forrest were their names They'd been with the family a few weeks, and Mona knew that we were going to have communion the next day, so she called me on Saturday night. She said, the boys, the family they were in, they had never been in church, so they'd been in church a couple of Sundays. They'd certainly never seen communion, so I tried to explain to them about grape juice and wine and bread and different ways and what it meant, the body of Christ. And, you know, of course, they, they were just excited and just wanted to come and take communion. I 
the visual to me is so clear. The altar was very similar up at Crossville, and they were right there, and I started down here, and I'm making my way, and, and I got to them. They were, they were like two little birds in the nest just waiting for the worm. I mean, they were so excited. They were just, I mean, you could just see. They couldn't wait till I got down there, and I broke off a piece of bread, which was Nana bread. My mother made sourdough bread, and uh, she would uh, bake it, did it for years when I was at Crossland, and she would always make an extra loaf. I'll tell you about that extra loaf in a minute. But Robert and Forrest, I gave them, man, they were chewing on that bread, and they were just waiting. And we gave them the cup, the juice. We're going to take it to the cup here in a minute. And I gave them the cup, and they, I mean, they threw that head back. And I could see their tongue up in there, just, I mean, getting all they could up in there. They were just, and it was like, is that it? And I'm moving on, and, and they're, they're just, you know, like, golly, that wasn't much. So we went through, and after church, they're waiting at the back back there, and Mona mentioned to me, they want to say something to you. So I got down on my knees, Robert and Forrest, and Forrest called me brother. I was brother Harvey up there, but he added the V in there, so I was brother Harvey. So brother Harvey, that juice was so good. And then Robert pulled in quick, could we have some more? That wasn't enough. Can we have some more bread? Now, they already knew the story about the bread because my mother baked an extra loaf, and I would cut it up, and I'd have it ready in the fellowship hall, and the kids knew. They'd hang around on communion day so they could get more. Robert and Forrest had already graduated from college. In fact, they visited here a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that day. But what I hope and pray is that Robert and Forrest know God is their portion. That while we may have some grape juice, some bread, wafers, crackers, whatever we may use, it's a whole lot more than that. It's all of who God is. So I pray when you come and take communion this morning and you think about God is my portion, that you get everything about who God is. You get relationship. You get forgiveness. You get salvation. You get eternal life. That's a huge portion. You and I claim, God is my portion. This is my definition as I worked on this sermon. You are my enough. With all that's going on in the world, you are my enough. You are my portion. Everything of who you are, you have given to me through your son Jesus. So the cross and the crucifixion and when Jesus said, this is my body and my blood, take and eat. We get all of who he is. I looked up online and I happened to find a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon about portion. When I pulled it up, this is the heading of the notes that I saw. A sermon delivered on the Lord's Day morning, September the 2nd, 1877. If you're doing the math, he's not with us anymore. But C.H. Spurgeon, his sermons live on. You are my portion. He says, here first notice a clear distinction. The psalmist declares the Lord to be his portion in distinction to the portion of the ungodly. David did not desire to share their short-lived joys of the ungodly. He sought his happiness elsewhere, looking to the creator rather than the creatures and to eternity rather than time. Then he quoted an old hymn that says, What sinners value, I resign. What sinners value, I resign. Lord, tis enough if you are mine. You are my portion. Spurgeon went on to say it is better to have 
our good God than to have all the goods in the world. And here's a great one-liner by Spurgeon. It's better to have God for our all. It's better to have God for our all than to have all and be without him. He's my portion. The word is not used that often in the New Testament, but I could name to you many times that some of the disciples declared God is my portion without using the word. Here's one example. I encourage you to read John, the sixth chapter, the whole chapter. It's one of the ones where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He talked about the manna from Moses. He began to make connections with that he was the lamb of God. Uh, he is the sacrificial lamb. And so as these people were listening to him, all of a sudden Jesus makes this radical statement. And he says to those listening to him, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part with me. Some of them thought, who does he think he is? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. What is he talking about? The Bible tells us that some of the disciples turned and walked away. And it tells us in John, the latter part of it, in the sixth chapter, that Jesus turned around and he looks at the twelve. I pick on the choir all the time. And so he turns around in the choir there and he, and he looks at the twelve and he says, Do you also want to walk away? Simon Peter says this. John 6, chapter, verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? Who else are we going to turn to? Then he says, you have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I, I believe for me to help me to understand what portion means. That Simon Peter said, Lord, who else are we going to go to? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe that you're the Son of God. You are our portion. I pray that as you come this morning, maybe in your own way, in your own heart and mind, as you share in communion, you'll be able to say, God is my portion. Will you pray with me? As I pray this prayer, I, I'm going to pray it as if I'm praying it for myself, and I am. But I want you to receive it in your own way. God, Thank you for being my portion and my inheritance. Help me daily to remember. Help me daily to remember that I have no one in heaven but you. And that having you, I should desire nothing else on this earth. My heart and my flesh will indeed fail someday. But you are the strength of my heart. And you, O oh God, are my portion forever. Holy Spirit, bless this moment in a way that only you can as we prepare to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.